so if you are used to our normal routine um, and kind of how we have our flow and order of worship today, I need to give you uh, just a little bit of a heads up. You may have already noticed that um, we're jumping into the sermon portion of the worship service a little earlier than normal today. And uh, the reason is because what we're going to do today is we're going to wrap uh, several of our worship elements uh, into the sermon today. And so there's going to be a little bit of a weaving. The most important part of that is that after we celebrate Holy Communion today, there will be a remaining four to five minutes of me preaching and speaking the word, okay? So we are classically conditioned, just like, you know, the, the psychological, uh, when the bell rings, the dog salivates. When we do communion, like our brains go, we're about to be out of here. Anyone got that, right? We think we're on the downhill side, the show is over, and we shut it off. I, I'm just letting you know, uh, the sermon will not be over until after Holy Communion um, and so, you know, if you take communion and skip out, you're going to miss on the, the last part. And there's a, there's a reason and a purpose for that, which uh, hopefully you'll see uh, here in just a few minutes. Uh, now, today is going to be the last day uh, that we focus on our series of God in the Workplace. We've been doing this for quite some time, and we have looked at how is it that we uh, do we bring our faith into our workplace? How do we see our workplace in light of our faith? And how do we um, see our faith in light of uh, the work that we do? And, and how do those overlap and intersect? And in that, we have covered everything from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22. In Genesis 1 and 2, where God creates Adam and Eve and he puts them in the garden and he gives them a purpose. He created them for the very purpose of work. Get into this garden, till the ground, and keep it. Be a steward of the earth. Be a steward of what I have made and what I have given to you. And so we realize that we're made to work. But we've also looked ahead and forward at this new creation when Jesus returns and the new Jerusalem and the new heavens and the new earth exist in reality. And in that world, we will also be working. There will be a work for us to do in that world as well. Last week, we talked about the relationship between work and rest and how if you don't have a good relationship with rest, then you don't have a good relationship with work. These two are connected and they go hand in hand. We need to have a good relationship with both of them for everything to work. And then uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about two callings that every human being has that God made each one of us to have and the first one is the calling to work and that is a calling to rule or to oversee we call this our our royal or our ruling kind of a calling we were made to oversee but the second calling we have is a priestly calling and that's a calling to worship that's a calling that's, that's focused, you know, spatially speaking, focused upward. So our work is kind of focused downward on the ground. Our, our, our worship is focused upward toward God. These are the two vocations that we are called to live out and carry on in our life in all that we do. It's kind of a... a I don't know if this is the right way to call it, but in some ways we're kind of like we're in middle management. God created the world, and he put us in charge of it. And uh, he has given us a lot of power. 
uh, in this world. And so we are uh, stewards of the earth, but we're also representatives of creation unto God. So I want to continue on and talk about this relationship between worship and work uh, in another way. So we've talked about it in terms of worship is up, work is down. We've talked about it in terms of time, whereby we work for six days and then we rest for a day, which is designated for worship. Uh, But I want to talk about it today in a third kind of a way, and that is in terms of gathering and sending. Gathering and sending. We are gathered here today, and the calling has gone out for the people of God to gather in this place or in other places of worship. But the calling is a calling from God, and this is part of our priestly vocation. God calls us to Himself. He gathers us. The Greek word for the church is ekklesia, which means the called out ones. You have been called out of the world and into this time and this place to worship. Now, this calling is to anyone, anyone who has any kind of interest or willingness to come right here to this table to worship God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And it's optional, right? Um, Unless you're a child, no one probably made you come today. There are other options out there. Some people have gatherings uh, uh, and even kind of Bible studies or small groups or sorts, maybe even in their own homes uh, or with a group of friends. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but one of the things about the calling to this table right here is that this table is for anybody. You don't have to be my friend to come to this table. You don't have to be each other's friend. This calling is for everyone. All you have to do, really the only criteria for coming to this table is that you're not too much of a disturbance to other people around you and you come with a sincere heart. That's really the only criteria involved. It doesn't matter if you're young or if you're old or if you're male or female, or if you're Hispanic or black or white, or if you're rich or if you're poor, whoever you are, you're invited to this table and you are welcome to worship here. Even though we come from many different backgrounds and are all different, we will all eat of the same bread and drink of the same cup. Have you thought about the fact that we all woke up in different beds this morning and that among our people, uh, some of us woke up on uh, this neighborhood, some woke up over there, some, some of, uh, among us, our worshiping community here at First Methodist, wake up in a tent Uh, Some people uh, wake up in a mansion. We all come together from so many different places, and yet we come to the same table. That's the spirit of a God who gathers. We serve a gathering God. When the church was born on that day of Pentecost, there were people from all over the Roman Empire who were in the city of Jerusalem uh, for one of the annual festivals, the festival of Pentecost. And that's when the Holy Spirit came down upon the church and they began to speak in the languages, the native tongues of the people from all over the world. So that from all over the world, representatives would hear the praises of God in their own language. That is a gathering act. 
God has called them all from all over the world to come to this place. And in the, in the Pentecost story, it's, it's to Jerusalem. It's to the place where uh, God's temple was and to where the Holy Spirit was poured out. Well, in the same way, you were called from your homes this morning to here. And that's no small thing. I know in my family, it takes a lot of work for us to get our, our rear ends to church. My, my beloved wife has to work hard to get four children to church by 9.30 every single week without me. And that is a crazy thing for me. Uh, we iron our clothes on Saturday. Like it takes a lot of preparation uh, to do that. And so it's no small thing that you got out of bed and got here this morning. Can I get a praise God? Amen. So it's part of that gathering and part of your response to gathering. Now, of course, not everybody will heed that call. You know, there are a lot of other options. People are free to choose other options out there. Maybe they're home reading the paper or sleeping or eating brunch or working in the yard or on vacation or traveling for kids' activities. Whatever people are doing, that's okay. The call remains. The invitation is here for us together. So why do we do this? Why do we get together once a week? What is the goal? What is the point? What are the functions that happen there? Well, one, and first of all, we gather to remember who God is. On the night that he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take this and eat this in remembrance of me. He then took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. It is the new covenant that I make with you. Take this and drink this in remembrance of me. When we gather, we remember. Why do we remember? Because we are a people who have a very short-term memory. It is so easy to forget in our day of spiritual amnesia. And we need to be reminded. We need something to come in and remind us. And to, for us to remember again and again and again. Because out in the world, uh, the world will take away that remembrance, won't it? So we come and we remember who Jesus is. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26, it was read this morning, it says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So that means, first of all, we proclaim something that happened in the past, the Lord's death, the brokenness of the body of Christ, his blood poured out. But we proclaim it until something in the future. So one thing we remember is we remember where we are in time. We remember where we are in history. We are after the death and resurrection of Christ, but before his return. And between those two mile markers, we have work to do. That's who we are. And that's the era or the age that we live in. By participating in this meal, we remember where we are in history. We remember that Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. 
We remember not merely by thinking or listening or talking. We remember by eating. We remember by touching. We remember by tasting, by putting something into our mouths. It is a full participation of experience in remembering who God is as revealed in Jesus Christ. And so once we get to a place of remembering who God is, we are therefore in a position to rightly know where we stand. Once you see who God is, you know who you are as a gathered people. Once Isaiah was in the presence of a holy God in the temple, his first reaction was, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I am among a people of unclean lips. In the midst of the presence of God, Isaiah was fully aware of his own sin and his own shortcomings. And so this is a time where we realize that we can confess our sin. This is a time where we realize, Lord, we have not done your will. We have not been who you called us to be. It's a time not for, for self-hatred or self-flagellation. It's a time to remember that we are simply not perfect and that we need grace. And we come to this table to claim the grace of Jesus in order to be made right in our hearts and minds. To remember those words from the cross that he said, Father, forgive them. That those words would continue to echo through history and get into our hearts and our minds. That is a part of what we remember. When we remember who we are, we're not just remembering that we are a people in, who have sinned, but we remember that we are a people who have been claimed and chosen by God. And so we freely enter into our time of confession. So at this time, church, I want to invite you uh, to join me as we confess our sins together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let's take a moment, about a minute, to just silently confess to God, what is it that you need to get off of your chest before God today?
Church, I invite you to hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. And so hear this assurance of your pardon for your sins. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I invite you now to say that to me. And let's say this together. Glory to God. Amen. We have confessed our sins. We have received assurance of our pardon of sin from God Himself. And we have spoken that to one another out of our mouths as a tangible reminder of that part of our sins. That means that we are made right with God. That our sins have been, have been wiped away, but our conscience is clean as well. And we can stand before God in a way that we are free before him and that we are clean before him and so we've come and we remember who God is we remember who we are and the third remembrance is we remember the world we don't just come here to escape the world or to get out of the world or to leave the world behind and to shut the door and just to go off to our little happy place we're here on behalf of the world. Remember that our, our vocation is a priestly vocation. What does a priest do? A priest represents others before God. Well, our priestly vocation as the gathered community is to represent the world before God. That means you have neighbors and family members, and friends, and people in your social circles, people that you know, or people that know people that you know, and they have needs. Some of those are financial, some of those are relational, some of those are medical. All of our needs are for God's grace and His power and His salvation. You represent the world before God today. And so we enter into a time of prayer. We usually call this our pastoral prayer. And we're going to enter into a time of prayer on behalf of the world today. So let us pray together. Lord, we come to this altar and we bring the world with us. Jesus, you quoted Isaiah when you said that my house shall be a house of prayer. So we bring the nations into the throne room of your grace today. We bring our neighbors and relatives and friends. We bring even our enemies, God, our competitors. And we go on your behalf. We go on their behalf before you. And we say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Give your power and your grace and your love to this world that doesn't know your grace and your power and your love. We lift up these persons in our hearts by name. Not just general prayers, but specific prayers for specific people that you created and that you love. We, we go on their behalf before your throne right now.
We ask that you would send your grace and your power and your goodness and your holiness and your conviction and all all that is of you, God, into their lives. That you would be their salvation and your their healing and their comfort and their life. And in whatever ways you want us to be agents of that grace and that power and that holiness and that love, would you show us the way? We lift up our community. We lift up our nation today, especially this week, as we celebrate the independence of this nation. We lift up the world. Economically, ecologically, politically, spiritually. Let your good news go throughout the world. Let your good news go throughout our nation. Let your good news go throughout this city and through our neighborhoods and even in our homes. Let your good news go into our hearts today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We pray these things in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so as you can see, we have come from multiple places and we've remembered who God is. We've remembered who we are and we remember the world. And as representatives of the world and in and of ourselves, we have come to this destination. This table is in the center of what we do and it is our final stopping place as to what it means to be a priestly people. This is the table of grace. This is the point of contact, whereby we touch and taste the body of Christ. This table is in the center of the temple, the center of the Holy of Holies. It's the holy place, and we have access unto this grace. At this time, I want to invite those who are serving communion to please come forward as we pray over the elements. Lord, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we would be the body of Christ redeemed by your blood. Make us one with you, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until you return and we feast at your heavenly banquet. We are so grateful, Lord, and we just open our hearts to receive you as we take this bread and this juice into our bodies. Amen. Just want to remind us that this is not a Methodist table. This is Christ's table. And as we have said, he calls anybody who repents of their sin and who seeks to live in peace with God and with one another uh, to come to this table. 
As you do so, there is an offering basket. This basket is designed for us to give of ourselves to God. That's tangibly represented by your connect card. It represents your presence. Your presence is an offering to God. It's probably the greatest offering you could give is the gift of your presence. It's also our financial offering. Our financial offering represents all the things uh, that could be our idols in life. And so when we do that, we do that as a sacrifice, as a way of worshiping and saying, God, you are worthy of my worship. And so I encourage you as you place uh, your connect card and offering in that basket to do so as a tangible act of worship. Then make your way to one of the two stations, tear off a piece of the bread, dip the bread in the cup, let it be the very presence of Jesus coming inside of you. Spend some time at the prayer rails if you'd like, and then make your way outside to your seats. Christ is here. He is ready for you to meet him in this place. I invite you to stand, and when you're ready, come and receive. Please stand. Teach my song to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Cause Jesus you're my hope and stay When I cannot stand I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay. Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest without you. Oh God, how 
defense my righteousness oh god how i need you i invite you to be seated hear this extended sending forth sometimes we think of the sending forth as kind of a motion to adjourn and uh, I move that we adjourn. I second has been moved. We second we adjourn. All those in favor say aye. All those opposed nay. All right, we're adjourned. That is not what the sending forth is about. There's a lot of theology. We have come all the way to this place. We have gathered, right? Gathering is the first half. The second half is scattering. Coming is the first half. Sending forth and going forth is the second part of our work. Our first part was our priestly work of coming before God with the world. Uh, but our second is, we, as soon as we get to this place, we turn around and we begin to go into the world again. I want to imagine you thinking of this like how we breathe, you know. When we breathe, we're gathering in oxygen, you know. Take a deep breath real quick, just in case you haven't taken one today. Let's do that. <sighs> when you do that, you're gathering, Right? And then you're breathing out. In the same way, that's how the church works. We gather and then we spread out. We inhale, then we exhale. Throughout the course of time, that's been our heartbeat. That's been our mode. We gather, we go out. We gather, we go out. We gather, we go out. It's all a part of our dual vocation. Gathering is about worship. Going out into the world for the next six and a half days is about our work. Sending forth is a sending forth to live out this second part of our vocation, the royal vocation of work. And so you are being sent into the world from this point. This is, this is the beginning place, and it's from this place that you're sent into the world. Kind of like last week we talked about uh, the rhythm of time. We think of work, 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 vacation. Well, let's switch this around here as well. It, it, instead, of, instead of work, 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 vacation, we say, no, Sabbath rest, and then vocation. Well, this is where we begin. We begin at the table of grace. And it's only once we have come to this place and we've been made right with God and with our neighbor that we can appropriately go out into the world to do what God's called us to do, to be the body of Christ in the world. And so we've talked about God as a gathering God. God is also a sending God. Jesus sent his disciples in his earthly ministry. And before he uh, was ascended into heaven, he sent them out into the world. He said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so we are called to do that, to be sent into the world, to seek justice, to walk humbly, uh, to love others, all as a part of our work. The goal of the church is not simply to get people to come to worship. The goal of the church is to equip people and send them out as agents of the good news of God, agents of the love of Jesus and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to send you out as salt and light in the world. 
Even after Pentecost, the people didn't just hang out in Jerusalem. They spread out. They went back to their homes, even some hundreds or thousands of miles away, all over the world. And they extended the message of Christ and his kingdom to all places and all corners. Too often churches measure their success by how many people come to worship or if the budget's being met. But I think a critical measurement should be not just attendance here in our gathering, but in the fruit of the kingdom of our sending. This means that the worship gathering is not ultimately about you having an individual worship experience and getting a break from life. It's about being reoriented again to the larger mission of God, His calling on your life individually and our life as a community and sent out as ambassadors for Christ. Agents of His reign. Rulers who tend to creation and all its forms. In other words, we gather in order to be sent out. We send out knowing that we will gather again. We worship and we work. We worship and we work. We worship and we work. Without worship, our work becomes slavery or idolatry. Without work, our worship becomes dead lip service to God. I want to repeat that. Without work, without worship, our work becomes slavery or idolatry. Without work, our worship becomes dead lip service to God. And so, brothers and sisters, I invite you now to stand to receive the shorter version of the sending forth today. Go, go into your neighborhoods, go into your families, go into your social circles, into your workplace, go and do the work that God is sending you out to do. Go and be the body of Christ expanding into the world. Be his hands and his feet. Ephesians 2 says that you were created in Christ Jesus for good works. Go and live that out today. John Wesley once said, the world is my parish. I think we can say today, the world is our workplace. And God is in the workplace. And the reason that God is in the workplace is because he is sending you into the workplace. You are the presence of God in the world. So go and do the work that God made you to do. In the name and in the power of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You're dismissed. Go in peace. We'll see you next time.